Hello, and welcome to episode 82 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. I'm filled with a lot of rage, guys. I don't think it's good for my blood pressure. Just... Is it because Bloodborne isn't out yet? You know, that could be it. That could be it. That's Derek Heemsberg and everybody. Yeah, I'm Derek Heemsberg, and I have a ferret in my lap and pep in my step, and I'm here to talk about video games. Cool, cool. Now, Derek's only going to be with us for about an hour today, because he is a very busy man, so he's going he's gonna to go out so drink. He's going to go out drinking because the uh, the U.S. just lost in the World Cup. That's what happened that, today. That so. could not be any farther from the truth, but that's fine. We'll You're not interested it. at all in the World Cup? Not, you know, nothing against it. Just I haven't watched it. and not, It's not really my thing, but I'm not opposed to the drinking. I'll do that. Okay, that's okay. Fine. It was interesting to watch today. It was pretty good. I know one person who has been watching the World Cup a lot, and that would be uh, Stephen Myrink. Um, actually, I'm just drinking a beer. Okay, all right. That's so, no soccer, just drinking. Nothing against. I mean, I I have caught snatches of it, but I don't necessarily care. But I also like soccer a lot more than America's average football obsession. So I uh, like big man soccer. I'd much rather have us talking about soccer than football for like nine hundred million reasons. But no, all I'm doing is playing shovel knight and packing to go to my best friend's yes. wedding. That is the <laughs> correct thing to do. I need to get shovel knight. I oh I really God. do. Well, we shovel were. Knight? Shovel Knight might be my game of the year so far. Well, we were talking uh, in the pre-show warm-up, and I was saying like uh, I had spent a little bit of money on the Steam sale. I picked up a lot of games that I've been meaning <laughs> to pick up. Like uh, uh, what did what all did I get? I got Walking Dead Season Two, which I need to play. Uh, the Wolf Among Us. Uh, I picked that up. Ikaruga, which good lord, I am terrible yes. at that game. Yes. I yes. am so bad at that game. Guys. That's one of two games I bought on the sale. But go uh, ahead. So Ikaruga's bad. Favorite shoot 'em up ever. I can see why you really like it, but I am just so so freaking terrible at it. You were, um, you were you were telling us before the show that a certain game was causing you stress. Ikaruga, I I don't find you compatible with Ikaruga because Ikaruga is a game about being stressed. It, it is a game about being stressed, but I know there there's a real tactical feeling of screwing up when I'm playing it. Like, I know when I just switched over to the wrong color at the wrong point, I'm just like, well, that got me. No, what what I was mentioning to you guys a few minutes ago was that uh, two games that I played a lot of this past week were really causing me to rage in a, in a way that, I, you know, I'm kind of glad that I've gotten older as a gamer and I, I can put it down and walk away and go, you know what? This isn't for me. It's not necessarily that it's a bad game, but I'm going to walk away from it and go, this isn't my cup of tea. Uh, the first of those games was uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. I really, really appreciate what those guys are doing. I love the fact that they're trying to get away from combo-heavy, Devil May Cry, Ninja Gaiden-style games. I think that's a really cool idea that they have. I love the over-the-top aesthetic. I think What's-His-Face is having a ball with, like, four different voices for Raiden over the course of the game. I am Raiden. I am Raiden. I am the Jack the Ripper. Uh, I just can't... I can't get into that game's camera. That game's camera is... And I'm really sensitive about camera in games. I know some people get really sensitive about, like, RPG mechanics or... um, you know, I'm trying to think about other things like the the proper shooting mechanics or, like, the sounds of guns, whether they sound, like, tiny or anything... Monster uh, raising in games that shouldn't have monster raising. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but Rising's camera to me is just like, it's so bad that it's really interfering with my flow in the game. And it's it's making it, and I, I know you guys don't seem to have that problem with the game, and I'm happy for you, but it's just driving me up a wall. I don't know, I, 
I played. The, I didn't play the Steam release. I just played the PS3 version, and I don't know if that is a, an issue unique to the Steam release, maybe. But you have it on Steam, don't you, Steven? You haven't had that problem. Yeah. So okay, well, Rob's just crazy. No. I know. I know. I, I'm really crazy at the game. Um, it just it, it didn't gel with me, and rather than beat my head on it all the way to completion and probably you know give myself an ulcer i just said you know what that this isn't my cup of tea and steven i did listen to you i played it for like three hours i figured out the pairing mechanic i'm not very good at it but i understand how it works now because that game does not tell you at all how to do it um it's just that the camera is really driving me crazy and i know that that maybe sounds like a stupid reason to put down a game but i just it's causing me undue levels of stress if that makes sense and so i was just like yeah we're done here um i i I feel that that's almost like a good thing for me as a gamer because i know as a kid i would have pushed through it and probably i used to reach like I i think i brought it up on the podcast back in the day like i used to get like real dark with games sometimes where i would go through a period of like not playing anything that i actively enjoyed and i would start to pull away from video games and it would always take something to bring me back like uh final fantasy 7 and castlevania symphony of the night were two games that really brought me into video gaming again after i kind of gave it up as a kid and I i could see that like playing games that you don't enjoy to completion just to say you beat them i could see that happening with this game so it was just a i feel like i'm older and wiser as a gamer right now mm. like it's not for me well you know We've had the discussion about you don't want to waste your time on crappy games, and not every game is going to be a masterpiece. I think there's a there's kind of a sweet spot as far as um, how low you can go before it's like, all right, this just isn't worth my time anymore, and it's or it being like a flawed but enjoyable experience. But if you're not having fun with the game at all, like if it's making you that upset, then it's what are you going to do? Look back and be like, well, that game sucked, and I hated it, and I wasted a ton of time, but I beat it. Yeah. Like, what's what's to be gained really from that? So. If there's nothing, if there's nothing to gain at all from the experience, then you're wiser to just move past it and do something more fun. Yeah, and then the but, other game. Go ahead, Derek. Go ahead. Oh well, I was just gonna say, what game doesn't make me frustrated at all is Shovel Knight, and it's not within <laughs> our coverage, so we won't ramble about it too much. But Jesus God, that game is everything looks, I want in a platformer. It like, looks really good. It is so. Look, oh. I don't know much about Shovel Knight, but I'll tell you one thing: that Propeller Knight knows how to treat his fans. Wow, you can stop. Well, I, I, you know what? I figured you would actually love that. I, and I'm kidding, by the way. Well, you there, love puns, a, Derek. There's oh a PC in the game that just dishes out puns. He's, like, a, he's a frog, and everything he says is a pun, and they're all really bad. Well, no, they're actually all really good. And there's another character in a town later who's an angry frog, and you can tell him the puns, and he makes this really angry face when you do. Yes. And See, I'm yeah. assuming it's a side quest that eventually becomes I could tell him a funny joke, but I don't know. I really want to pick up Shovel Knight. I think it was just like I got so many games during Steam sale that Shovel Knight wouldn't get played right now. So I kind of want to wait until I hit like a lull. Like I I feel like that's going to be a good August game for me. Uh, It was a good right now game for me. And it's going to be a good tomorrow game for me probably because I want to replay it. Uh, How many games did you pick up? Literally right now. Uh, I'm trying to think about what else I picked up. Uh, I can actually look at my like community where, where the hell do I, where do i where the hell do i look here it's like activity maybe i can't even remember steven where do i go to find out what games i've just bought <laughs> I, uh, I can't remember profile page slash my life 
sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I picked up two. I picked up two games for Jackie. Uh, I picked up Oregon Trail, uh, which is a zombie uh-huh, apocalypse. Funny. Yeah, zombie apocalypse take on the Oregon Trail. She really liked that. Um, and then I also picked up a uh, Long Live the Queen, which is a game that I was kind of interested oh, in, like trying to be a monarch. Somebody told me that was good. It looks nuts. You're playing as a as a young princess in like this anime style world who is trying to ascend to the throne and everyone's trying to kill her. And it just seems really but weird. Isn't it like a resource management kind of game? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like very a, civilization-esque. Yeah, it it looks different and I just it was like $2 on Steam and that was the magic price of just like, well, I'm I'm going to pick that up like that. Why why wouldn't I pick that up? Um, and then w- one of the games um, that I picked up, and this was upon Steven's recommendation because we heard the soundtrack at the VGL, and I, I still don't think the soundtrack does all that great, but uh, I kind of like the game quite a bit, is uh, Cave Story. I picked that up on Steam. Ugh, how does it feel to be so wrong about game music all the time? I don't know. It's, it, 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 you... <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I never really thought about Man, it. I never really thought I about it. With. <laughs> I love Cave Story's soundtrack. Man. But I'm a, I'm a sucker for retro game music in general so anything that that apes that like and I, and apes probably isn't the right word to use because that has kind of a negative connotation but that's that's what shovel knight's doing <clears throat> and i think at this point it might be because shovel knight is fresher and newer but i would say arguably shovel knight has a better soundtrack because it it has really really strong melodies that are super memorable and like you get them and then there's the arrangement of each melody for the bosses in each stage and oh my god i've been humming the lichyard stage music literally since okay. i heard it oh, yeah but yeah cave story um I think the soundtrack is one of the standout elements. But so, what what issue are you having with it, though? I think my only real issue with Cave Story, like it's got really super tight controls, like very very tight Metroidvania style controls, which I love. Um, and it's kind of Blaster Master in like its shooting mechanics. It's not as weighty as a Metroid game. I like that. But it does this really weird thing. So at first I thought we were going to have to cover it and why the hell hadn't we covered it because it seemed like it had RPG mechanics because I was like gathering up like little bits off of fallen enemies and I was leveling up my weapons and I was like, oh, this is an RPG. We should cover it. Then I realized, well, the weapons only level up three times. And I was like, oh, that's kind of strange. Plus I leveled up my weapons really fast. Maybe I'm going to open up new new levels later on for my weapons. I don't know. The game does this really weird thing where wherever you get hit, your weapons power down. So you can get to a point where you'll actually go down a level in terms of your weapons effectiveness. It's a cool risk reward system, uh, cool risk reward system that I know Steven uh, likes and it, it kind of plays into the you don't want to get hit. It's like an old school platformer getting hit really sucks. But when I'm playing against a boss <clears throat> and I lose a level on my weapon and now my weapon is completely ineffective against the boss that's just not fun like that's undue stress and especially because i've reached a point in the game where one of the weapons actually increases my mobility so now when that levels down and my mobility is no longer there i I feel like i've just been screwed over in the boss fight and i just i really really don't like that i don't like power being taken away from the player like i'm that guy that I hate it when a game now says, okay, in this sequence of the game, you can't use this weapon because we say you can't. Like, I really hate it when oh, a game so does that. Oh, so Metroid Other M. Yeah, well, that's why I never played that game. Um, that and also One of the many of, reasons. Well, I really don't like that kind of gameplay design. I find it to be... And this isn't to say that it's that in Cave Story I feel this strongly about it, but I find it to be very weak game design. Like, when... Um, this gets us back to E3 a little bit. When Kyle and I were looking at Gauntlet, 
you know, it, it was gauntlet, but we were off in the corner, like coming up with different ideas for making the game interesting. And we were like, well, what happens if you go into a room and you know how one person always goes for the turkey leg? How about when he goes for the turkey leg, he starts a trap that traps the other three characters in the room with like monsters that are constantly spawning. And that one character has to solve a puzzle or they're going to die. Like, what about doing some game design like that? Like, why, you know, when I play, um, and this gets us back to Rising a little bit, when I'm playing Metal Gear Rising and the game just stunlocks Raiden, and it's like, okay, you have to press the analog stick back and forth real quick because he's stunned and you can't do anything until you break the stun. That, to me, is lazy gameplay design. When I was at the Witcher 3 demo and a monster spit in Geralt's face... I thought, oh, Geralt's going to be stunned. Lazy gameplay design. But no, what they did was they obfuscated the screen so the so there was like green goop on the screen. And now the player who was really good and kept calm could play through that action and keep fighting if they could keep their like S together. If they could like remember all their moves and not panic, they could get through the scene. It's very similar to what happens in Left 4 Dead. That's a very immersive gameplay experience, rather than making me twiddle a, st- a thumbstick back and forth real quick to regain control of my character. Like, y- you get what I'm saying there? Like, there's something about taking away control from the player, rather than working within the confines of the actual world and systems of the game. I mean, the stunlock in Rising does work within the world of the game. You still have to use a quick time event to get through it. You just have to wiggle the control stick. Tons of games do that. Yeah, and I think I think it's personally lazy. Like, why not make it something different? Why not do something like Geralt having, you know, uh, mucus spit in his face? And now, well, you know, you have to Because nobody spits that. mucus at Raiden. Well, if they did, they'd probably get cut in half. I, I agree with you. But I'm just saying, like, that. It's it's the same thing I've seen in every game. And it's just like, why don't we try something different? Like, and in a game like Metal Gear that's trying so many things different, you know, I want to see new things. And we're getting way off topic here, but to bring it back to Cave Story, I just feel like you're hindering the player. And I get why you're doing it, because you don't want me to get hit and you want there to be repercussions for me getting hit. But it can get to the point where now I literally can't beat the boss. Like, it doesn't matter that I still have 10 hit points left. I'm not going to beat this boss. And, it, you know, it's kind of like losing the spread gun in Contra. I get it, but I don't like it. Eh, that's fair. I mean, you could you could still theoretically win, right? Like, you could just do piddly damage forever. I, I guess. It's not, it's not really fun at that point. Yeah, at that point, I'm just kind of like, uh No, I get it. I think they were just trying to add another dimension beyond losing health to to gameplay to make it a little bit higher risk-reward. Yeah, so, I, I get it. It just it didn't... It didn't do it for me, but I think I'm going to finish Cave Story because I do, I do like enough about the game. I do find it to be very fun. So you guys were asking me about what else uh, I had gotten on Steam. I picked up Bulletstorm, which I really wanted to pick up for a long time because I, I want a stupid, fun shooter. I picked up uh, Metal Slug for uh, my buddy Steven, so we can Sweet. play we can play that together. Uh, Gone Home. like Metal Slug. Yeah. Uh, Gone Home, which I'm really looking forward to. Hey, I got that too. Yep, that was that was one of the two games I bought. I bought Gone Home and uh, Ikaruga, and I beat Gone Home in a sitting because it's really short. I want to beat that in one sitting. Um, I actually I've had that since it was on Steam and just have never played it. Uh, so Steven was mentioning some mentioning some game to me. I should pick up what is this? The Banner Saga? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Never heard of it. Never heard What's of that. that. Yeah, well, that's uh, my game of the year. Nothing yet has dethroned it. It's amazing <laughs> and fantastic. What else? Uh, the Swapper. 
I'm excited to play that. Oh, that, that's cool. That is on my wish list too. Puzzle game. And then I, I've Steven's recommendation made me pick them both up because they were both five dollars, and I want to play them on my PC and not have to bust out my PlayStation Three anymore. I picked up the two Batman Arkham games because I I would just rather play those on my PC at this point than have to wheel out the PlayStation Three again. So. Batman. Well, the, and, and those are games that I really do like them, and I'll probably replay them at some point. So for $5, I'm totally okay with it. But yeah, that's what I've been doing, and you guys have been gushing over Shovel Knight like crazy, because, you know... Because it's so good. I do want that game. It's, uh, yeah, it... Uh, I don't know what else to say other than it just nails what it's going for. Um, I, love, I love retro platformers, and Mega Man is one of my most favorite series of all time. So it takes basically Mega Man's level design and mixes it with elements of Castlevania and Metroid. And, and DuckTales. And DuckTales. Mario 2 yeah. or 3. Yep, and it, it just does it so perfectly. Like, it controls super tightly. Um, I love the music. I love the little touches like the world map. The writing has a lot of charm to it. Uh, it's just, it's glorious. Like, there is a sequence that you get after you beat every stage where Shovel Knight is sleeping. Uh, he's at a campfire. And oh, on, yeah, yeah. On some nights, he'll have dreams about Shield Knight, which is his lost love. And, like, those are surprisingly poignant. They made me really sad. And Yeah, like, they're, like, considering how goofy he is, like, during the main storyline, it's it's really cool. Like, those, I did one of those, and I was like, wow, that's very good surprised. storytelling that happens yeah. within the game. Because, like, what happens, what happens is, like, he'll fall asleep, this camera will pan up. And then all of a sudden it'll get cloudy and it'll say catch her and she'll start falling. But while she's falling, they'll like send a bunch of enemies at you or something will happen. And then you have to jump to catch her before she hits the ground. Yeah, I saw those on like, uh, I think it was game trailers. And I really liked that. Like it was, you know, 8-bit storytelling. It was really yeah, cool. It, it's re- it did a really good job of telling a story without having any dialogue. And one of the, the many things that they're going to be adding to the game is is a gender swap mode. Like, they had a bunch of Kickstarter stretch goals, and they didn't get to implement most of those extra things, like the multiplayer. Gonna, there's going to be a four-player battle mode, uh, among other DLC. But one of the things is gender swap, which makes Shovel Knight uh, female and Shield Knight male, and then all the bosses are also female. So, oh, cool. So I think, and they said that they want to do a little bit to kind of switch up the story a tad or, like, you know, at least change all the pronouns and stuff so it's not just going to be a complete copy-paste. Because the oh. villain is the Enchantress, so I'm not sure how they're going to change that either. The Actually, uh, one of the things I like best about it is that uh, I think a lot of people get sort of blinded by their nostalgia for NES games. Like, they forget that there are a lot of really stupid things in the Super Nintendo games that are a product of them being very old. Yeah. Right. I know what you're going to say, but say it. But Shovel Knight does not have those things. Right, it's it's an NES slash retro style game that has all of the good parts without being stupid and hard for no reason. Like, there are some challenging parts. I think overall, it's 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 not easy, but it's it's an even difficulty. Overall. Yeah, like the def the levels definitely require dexterity. I definitely died, but it was never like a Mega Man like nine type thing where I'm like I have to memorize this very specific, very difficult platforming puzzle and die forty times before I can get past it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it, a little bit more in line of, like, Mega Man 2 difficulty, because I think people forget that Mega Man 2 and 3 aren't very difficult compared to Mega Man 9. Mm-hmm. Like, Mega Man 9 is way harder. Like, there is some serious, like, nostalgia goggles making that game harder. Yeah, I, people were mentioning in reviews that Shovel Knight, like, his jump feels very weighty. 
Like, he, he doesn't have, like, the yeah. old school, like, Simon Belmont, I'm only jumping forward and God help me if something comes near me. Like, he's got a little bit more versatility to him, is that correct? The controls are absurdly tight. I would I would say that's correct. Yep. They are. Yeah. It, it's, it's basically perfect. I love this he, game. he has a crouch move that isn't really a crouch, and I don't think it does anything, but it looks really funny. <laughs> it has a funny little squat animation. Yeah, like, he kind of just bends his knees a little bit. It looks like he's doing the Halo teabag thing. So, like, every time <laughs> I beat a boss, I'm always like, crouch, 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 crouch. Well, that's uh, not something I normally buy into, but... I find it interesting that we're all kind of playing retro platformers. Like, I'm playing uh, Cave Story, you guys are playing Shovel Knight. I beat Braid while I was at my two-week physics conference. Um... I only had to look up one solution. I can admit it. Uh, there was one one puzzle I could not figure out, and uh, I started Fez, which I'm really enjoying. And I, I think that, you know, I, I don't want to bring up Phil Fish uh, on the podcast, but I, I think the dude makes some pretty awesome games. Honestly, Fez was it, it's a lot of fun to play, and it's really imaginative. Yeah, I think it's a good game. I like I I, I can disconnect it from him, kind of like how I can disconnect Heavy Rain from David Cage. I can't do that. Um, and then uh, the other one that I was playing, uh, and it's kind of funny that I rage. Funny how you can do that for a game you like, but not one you don't like. Well, true. Um, I can rage at this game like no other, but I don't think any game has me smiling so much when I beat a stage. Super Meat Boy. <laughs> God. I yeah. rage at that game, but man, when you beat a level, you are like, yep. yeah! I actually got pretty close to throwing a controller a la Rob when I played that game on xbox live and i was just like jesus this game is ridiculous but you're right when you when you're triumphant it's so sweet and you know i mean that's the best part about that game and i think that's why like i'm getting mad at that game but i'm mostly getting mad at me you know when you screwed up that jump most of the time most of the time you know when you screwed it up like i screwed the pooch on that one level zero in that game gives me nightmares where is that is that the last area so it's in the bonus world Oh, I'm not going there. And it's like a bunch of glitches. <laughs> like, it's a bunch of glitches. It's just, as soon as I unlocked it, I was like, well, I'm going to go do this now. Yeah, I'm not going there. I'll probably just beat the regular worlds. That's enough for me. Uh, but yeah, it, it was kind of fun to to sit down with. Um, and I, I would actually challenge most of our listeners to uh, try this, like, you know, I was very guilty about buying games on Steam and not playing them. And one of my colleagues from work was actually pointing that out because he's a gamer too. And he was like, yeah, we, we buy all these games on Steam and then we never play them. And so I started making it a point like, you know what? I got a lot of games on here I've been meaning to play like, you know, Cave Story, Guacamelee, uh, Fez. There, there's so many games that I just want to get something out of. Like, I played Hotline. Oh, you played Guaca Overrated Melee? Really? Oh, You're going to hate on that? I, I that game is... Do critically I, overrated like it's fun but everyone's like, it's the best metroid game ever released oh and i'm God. like no i agree with steven so hard i actually i would go so far as to say i actively dislike that game wow i'm looking forward I, I to think playing it's it one now. of the like most obnoxiously overrated games to come Whoa. out in a long time i don't understand it wow like well, it's it's I'm not a bad game it. <laughs> no try it see see what happens yeah you know? uh i also played a little bit of hotline miami and I found I really don't like that game, but I respect the hell out of it. I just, I, I can't stand how random it is and how, like, I do not like the controls in that game at all. I am constantly feeling like I should have shot somebody and I didn't. And I'm just like, and, and in a game where you die in a blink of an eye, it's just like, oh, okay, that's that's not a whole lot of fun. But yeah, I would, I would just say, like, 
you know, look at your Steam, look at your pile of shame, guys, if it isn't on Steam, but I think, listeners, look at your pile of shame and look for stuff that you haven't played yet and give it a shot. Even if you and get... I'll also read our editor, Andrew Barker's uh, editorial on this exact subject. Yeah. Get, give the games a shot. Like, I have so many games on here that I need to play, and even if I only spend an hour with them, most of them I bought on Steam sale for so cheap that I am getting my money's worth if I just spend a little bit of time with them. You know? So yeah, that's that's what I was doing for the past two weeks, uh, coming down off the E3 high. And uh, and what a high it was. Yeah, you know, no, it was... It was I think this is one of the weaker shows in recent memory. Overall, I still had a blast. Like, I always do... Uh, I get to see you guys, and we're actually having a conversation about that right now as we're putting together our uh, best of E3 awards. And uh, you know, Dave kind of—I think Dave spoke from the heart, saying that he kind of felt this as a reflective E3 that he wasn't really into a whole lot. I can't say the same. I also can't. I saw a lot of games that I liked. Yeah. I didn't see like there was no big AAA mega adventure that I saw that I liked, but that's sort of. The way things are going anyway. Like, I saw a lot of cool games. Yeah, I, I, you know, I spent a lot of time with the IndieCade, and I spent a lot of time with the indie games at Sony and Microsoft. I thought Microsoft did a great job on that respect. Things like Ori and the Blind Forest were gorgeous to look at and a really big win for them. Um, those were the games that I, I saw, like, new stuff. You know, maybe innovative isn't the right word. But it was new. It felt fresh. And yeah, your Assassin's Creeds and your Batmans and your Mortal Kombat's, they're all there. And if you want to play those, that's perfectly fine. I'm i am not super interested in a new Assassin's Creed. I think I'll probably pick up the next Batman for sure, though. But there were some AAA games that I, w- I was really excited to see. I had, you know, my thoughts on Alien Isolation. I'm really excited for that, even though the demo kind of left me a little lukewarm. But I think the big games were there, but if you don't have the interest in them... I think you had to dig a little bit deeper to find the indie stuff uh, or maybe get some of the behind closed doors meeting to see things like Dragon Age Inquisition, which you had to like sit in a demo booth to see. So yeah. like, I think those games were there. Two of my top games were, it were Xenoblade Chronicles X, which was just a trailer. And well, they and then they had the gameplay uh, demo, which was cool. And uh, the announcement of Type-0 HT. Those were the two things that I cared about the most, other than Smash, I suppose. I also cared a lot about Final Fantasy Explorers, which wasn't announced at the show either. Is that the Monster Hunter Final Fantasy? It's not Monster Hunter. It's more like Diablo, but yeah. Okay. Sign me up. Sign me up. Diablo with the tactics job system they announced today. I was really excited to see uh, Codename Steam. I I thought it was kind of funny that so many people were down on that until they actually saw the gameplay. It's Valkyria Chronicles, and that's pretty awesome on 3DS. Still haven't seen yeah. anything on that. I'll have to check it out. It looks cool. I, I don't think you're gonna like the art style though. It's very. No, I don't at all. Yeah, yeah. it's I, very I 1950s comic book, like square jaws with like, you know, the little dimples in the jaw and you know a cat person for some reason. But I, I like the idea of the gameplay. And Valkyria Chronicles is one of those games I really wanted to love, but I got really annoyed with. So I'm kind of hoping, you know, some advancements here and there could be really good. Yep. So what have you been playing, Derek, as we ramble on here a little bit about E3 and everything else that we've been doing? Well, I haven't I haven't played a whole lot other than Shovel Knight lately. Um, I'm always playing Final Fantasy XIV. I don't really bring it up a lot of the time because it's hard to say much about it at this point. Well, not really hard to, but it's like, you know, I, I don't want to update you on my... Uh, We've talked a lot about it. 
on my animus weapon progress, which but I will really quick. So um, the every job in in Final Fantasy fourteen has basically what's an ultimate weapon. Um, every patch they're adding new quests to upgrade those weapons, and one of the most recent ones was like a. Uh, so okay, so I'm a summoner. My my relic weapon is called the Veil of Wii U. W I. Wow, W I Y U. Not to be confused with the Veil of Nintendo's Wii U, but so it it went from that, and I got to upgrade it to the Veil of Wii U Zenith, and then I upgraded to the Veil of Wii U Atma, which is what I have right now. The next thing is the Veil of Wii U Animus or Animus, and then finally, uh, what is it, Novus? But yeah, so um, I'm working on that quest. It's a huge grind and a pain in my ass. It's actually the grindiest thing that they've put in the game so far. But it's I think, kind of that way by design too. Like yeah, it is, and that's because I'm not doing it because I don't like the grind. But it's not like I'm especially punished for not doing so. Yeah, they're they're actually um, pretty close equivalents at this point still that you can earn by fighting high level content and and like Leviathan's weapon is the best thing in the game um, underneath the the current relics or whatever so that's fine but um, i'm just kind of slowly grinding away at that um i changed my race so i was a, a cat guy and now i'm a rogadin guy so i'm like the big buff dude so it's been kind of fun to marry me what yeah sure um yeah they're adding in-game marriage which has benefits so i'm gonna marry derek yeah they're actually they're adding uh marriage into the game and one of the cool things they announced at e3 was that gender doesn't matter which is pretty surprising because uh, there was some annoying controversy uh, back when they had first discussed the feature, like prior to the launch of the game. They had said, oh, well, you know, we don't want to offend anybody. And it was like, screw you guys. Like, seriously, just be be inclusive and it doesn't matter. Like, if you offend people, those people are idiots and not worth your time. I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I don't feel like that would impact their sales significantly. But mm-hmm. who knows? It's a Japanese well, game. Well, it didn't impact Fable's sales. Right. So... So that yeah, so they're gonna add a marriage system, and they will have some benefits. So uh, Steven's character is also male. So I just think that's cool that we can sure whatever we'll get married and then have whatever. Like, yeah, but what's next? Are we gonna start marrying our chocobos? Really? Oh man, oh, slippery wow. slope. Really? But, oh god. So anyway, so <laughs> playing fourteen, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a great time. Next patch for that is uh, in a week actually, and they're adding in they fight with Ramu. And oh, and it looks so cool. It looks super cool. Yeah, his like judgment bolt of death. That he calls down. I actually, uh, I actually quit for a few months, um, and just came back to it, and I'm having quite a bit of fun again. Because uh, you really don't have to get into the extreme grindy stuff, uh, and you can still make progress and do all the fun stuff in the game. So I like That's that. Really great. It's, it's. I think it's easy to jump into, and you can set yourself reasonable, measurable goals. Like as long as you're not trying to get the ultimate weapon, like I'm doing, and Liz has basically almost already done because she's crazy. Um, Correct. Then, then, then it's not super stressful. It's just like, oh, here's a goal, and I can reach it as long as I put some time into it. But um, next patch for that, like I said, next week, it looks really cool. There's a new PvP system coming out called Frontlines, where you can have teams of, I think, like... I don't know, 28 people? 28, yeah. 28 versus 28 versus 28. So it's it's really large scale. Um, it actually takes place on the, the battlegrounds that were in the CG trailer for the game. Like, if you ever saw the intro slash... Like the ending for Final Fantasy fourteen version one slash the intro for Realm Reborn that has uh, meteor in the sky, Dolomit, and like Bahamut coming out of it and wrecking everybody's Christmas. Um, that <laughs> battlefield is well, he did. Uh, that battlefield is where it takes place, and it looks really cool. Like it's got all pieces of the moon sticking out of it and stuff. So they're adding that a bunch of other stuff. Chocobo raising that'll be cool. I love yeah. I, I look forward very much to being able to continue leveling my chocobo. 
Yeah. yeah. So uh, lots of cool features. 14 is still incredibly relevant and incredibly fun to play. Um, I don't mention it as much because, like I said, we've, we talked about it a lot in the past, and it's just kind of a given at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. Oh, go ahead. It, it's cool that they're still putting a lot of content into that game. I know that that's Steven's main point when it comes to paying for a monthly service with uh, MMOs. Well, I'll, let's I'll also, not just that it's a, a monthly service, but by having it with that set monthly fee as opposed to a, hey, pay what you go, they're not designing the game to find ways to monetize it. They're designing a game that is fun first and foremost because right. they I, know they have those subscriptions. It, it depends on the game and everything. Like, the only sub-MMO I ever did was Final Fantasy XI, but I'm happy to pay for fourteen. Like, I would so much rather just pay my 10 bucks a month and continue to enjoy the game with the incredibly high level of polish that they're putting in everything than to have to worry about, like, oh, crap, do I want to spend three bucks on this chocobo armor? Like, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. I just, I'd rather just pay than that and get it out of the way. Like, I know it probably sounds like I'm being a little bit, I don't know, like I'm sucking up to them or brown-nosing, like, oh, I love you, Square Enix, but they've done such a good job. Like, I, I as they're, a consumer, they're very, They're very open to towards their audience. Right, like, I'm willing to pay if they are meeting my needs, and they are surpassing all of my needs as far as everything that I want in that game is happening. Like, yeah, there has like, never been a point where I'm like, oh, I'm so disappointed. It's like, no, it's just consistently great like the content patches in that game are bigger than most retail releases and it's not like they're coming we don't know when they're coming they come every three months like clockwork yeah and they they do a really good job of explaining everything that's new they build awesome promotional sites there's always great new artwork super cool trailers like it fe- every every patch feels like a game coming out uh-huh. so it's that's it's, why they they make trailers for each one yeah and they're all named and trademarked and stuff like so uh, I don't know if they're trademark actually. I got I gotta say you guys almost talked me into getting it with uh well, it's an MMO. Like if you if you don't like MMOs at all, it yeah. it is very much just it's an MMO, but it's the best, arguably. Yeah, uh, yeah. I so. I don't know. I th- I think that that gets to a game that I I, I don't want to cut Derek off right now, but I I think we'll we're gonna talk about a game here in a little bit that Steven was playing. And I, Derek, I don't know if you were playing it too, but we'll we'll, we'll get there. I'm, I'm I'm interested to hear some opinions on that MMO. Uh, Derek, what else have you been playing? I have been playing a little bit of Atelier Rorona Plus, since I am the resident Atelier guy. This is the remake of... of it's a PS3 remake of a PS3 game. I remember we talked about this and we were like, really? That's actually a thing that's happening? Um, but yeah, so Atelier Rorona Plus is, unlike these, these other Atelier re-releases where they just kind of add some new costumes, this is pretty much a ground-up remake um, as far as it has completely new character models, um, they redid the battle system, so it's like the other ones on PS3, uh, like uh, Totori and Meruru. So it no longer has that obnoxious system where you only have HP, and like all of your magic spells come out of HP. So you, like, you healed, you cast a healing spell with HP and got HP back. I was like, somebody had to have looked at this and thought this is ridiculous. They looked and they went, "This is brilliant." It's this like is- carrying around body armor in a pocket of your body armor in Resident Evil Five. <laughs> but that's uh, so. It's it's better from what I can tell. I mean, it it takes the the framework of the superior games and just puts it in the dressing of this one. And I actually really did not like Rorona at all, which made me uh, I I had a lot of trepidation for the second one, Totori, and I ended up loving it. And I think that's actually what got me super into the series. Like I had played some of the PS2 ones, I liked them, you know, a good amount, but uh, Rorona soured me, and I was like, I don't think the series is for me anymore. And then I played Totori, and I was like, oh 
crap, actually, this is really good. So so I'm glad to see that they made those improvements. Um, I still think it has one of the weakest casts. Um, they've improved the synthesis system, at least. Uh, thank God they have the DLC music thing going on. So a feature they added in, in games after Rona was in your your base, your workshop, you can select music for all of the parts of the game. Like you can select what music plays in your workshop and all the different kinds of battles, boss battles throughout the town, shops, whatever. And they have a huge suite of music to pull from. And this one has stuff from all the way back from like the uh, original Atelier game on PS1. I think it's Atelier Marie was the very first one. And it's just all there. Like tons and tons of classic music that you can pull from and assign to all the different parts of the game, which I think is cool because Zoom's you're in the pretty well known for its music. Yeah, it has, it has pretty good music overall. And the workshop is a place where you're literally going to spend hours synthesizing items. And I hate the workshop theme in Atelier Verona. Like it sounds like a, a chicken being strangled with a xylophone. Like I don't understand <laughs> why that's, and you sound like a chicken. No. So so it's really cool because I'm like, cool, I can play my favorite track from like Atelier Iris 2 or from Monokamia. And they even have stuff from the vocal albums, like arrange albums and stuff that came out in Japan that's just there for you to listen to. And I'm, I'm really surprised by that feature. And it's also kind of trippy to play Atelier Rorona and then have music from like five games after. Like, oh, this is from Atelier Esca and Lodgy. I just played that game and I have music in it in this one that's four games ago. Kind of bizarre. But it's pretty cool. Like, it's it's definitely improved. Um, it's taken my least favorite Atelier game and made it much more playable. So uh, I don't really have a lot of further impressions. I just, I played it for like two hours, um, tried some battles, you know, got a feel for it. But I'll, I'll continue. It's kind of cool. They do have the, uh, I got review codes for both the PS3 and Vita version. So it's nice to be able to transfer my data between the two. And they look pretty similar. Um, the Vita version looks a tiny bit rougher. But if you're worried about it like oh i only want to get one then you'll be fine with just the beta version if you want it to be portable so i i like i don't like that it's not cross buy like it sucks that you have to buy both because that's a 50 dollar game and a 40 dollar game respectively but yeah. if you're crazy about it then sure there you go I, I was feeling we talked before about um god what was it uh deception four i want to yeah. say and how that was a vita and a playstation 3 game and I was having a really hard time deciding if I was going to pick that up, which platform to pick it up for. I'm feeling the exact same problem with uh, Akiba's Trip, which I, after reading the preview from E3 and seeing the game in action, I'm kind of like, you know what? I might be down. hilarious. I might be down with this silly little game. Strike his pants. But do I want to pick it up on Vita or PlayStation 3? Like, I, I find that to be a very weird choice. It is kind of a weird choice. I, mean, but did, it just, I think it just depends on your personal tastes. Like, you know, Steven would go Vita, I would go PS3, and I love that that option exists. Yeah. I, I mean, actually it, might go PS3 now that I have a, a good TV, but... Is it the same game on both platforms? Like, yeah. are, are we talking no downgrade in graphics, or... You as know? I know, it's, it's not, like, the best-looking game anyway. It looks yeah. fine, but it's not, like... You know, it looks like an early-era PS3 game. Yeah, I guess at that point I would just rather play it on my Vita. Like, I've been really enjoying my Vita, which reminds me I need to beat Persona 3. I'm stuck in, like, October, and I just haven't had the time to keep playing. Uh, but yeah, Akiba's Trip looks so silly, and I'm, I'm hoping that it has the right level of comedy. Derek, you saying that you found it funny without being pervy gives yeah, me hope. And- yeah, because con- considering how irritated I was by Conception being so juvenile, like, this this is the right way to do that kind of humor. Like, 
it is very much fan service and ridiculousness, but it's actually funny. It's not like, like, again, I'm just going to sound no, like a jerk. I, I, I'm no, I would agree nothing. completely. Like, I think don't... like Neptunia is a piece of garbage, and I think Mugen Souls is stupid. Like, I think I don't like that kind of stuff. I just think it's it's lowbrow, but it's and it's not funny. It's not clever. It's, it's just it's... like pandering. It's lowest common denominator because they know they don't need to put much effort to sell that sort of thing. But right. if they do put the effort, then you have that same style of humor without seeming lazy about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Occupus mm-hmm. Trip is is the right kind of that kind of humor. So, like, it's not that I'm bothered by the idea. Well, it, I mean, it's ridiculous to be like, I'm stripping people and, and exposing them to sunlight because they're vampires. Like, that, that is ridiculous. And if it was handled poorly, like most games in the vein of Neptunia are, I th- in my opinion, I'm sorry. but I would agree. Uh, if it's handled poorly, then it's not funny. Because it's just like, ugu, so moe. But this one is actually, like, they put a lot of time, because this is why I love Exceed, because Exceed puts so much time and effort into their localizations that it makes me think about trying things that I wouldn't normally try. Like, I'm not a friend, or I, I haven't really, actually, I wouldn't say I'm not a fan. I haven't tried Senran Kagura, because I think it's really... It seems really over the top, but based on what I saw with Occupus Trip, like I'm kind of willing to give it a try because I feel like with enough, I, the game has to be built correctly as well. But like with enough uh, charisma in the writing, and with the game being made in such a way that it's not just dumb pandering, like it, that kind of stuff is actually amusing and and puts a smile on my face. Like it's so dumb, it's funny, but it's not. I, you know, it's I don't know how else to phrase it. I think with a game like Senran Kagura, like. It's not that I have no interest in them because of their, like, you know, boobs content or something. It's the fact that, like, if it's an okay game, like, we just talked about how it's okay to play an okay game. And that's true, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to play it just for that type of, like, hey, it has silly boobs content. If it's not a, a fun game, because at that point there are plenty of other games for me to play that are just better. Right. Like, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. play a mediocre action RPG or a generic attack magic item run turn-based RPG just because it has anime chicks and with, with bouncy boobs. Like, I just... Right, but, but Akiva's well, Trip's actually, like, funny. Like, the, the animations are amusing. Like, the combat is silly. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of care put into all the, the, like, the menu systems, the little in-game Twitter kind of thing. We talked about how they specifically approached the developer and had them make those ridiculous strip portraits for all the male characters because they only had them for female. So... Yes, it's dumb, and there's fan servicey stuff. Well, I and I feel bad saying dumb. Like it's silly, and there is fan service. But a, it's equal opportunity fan service, and b, it is done. I wouldn't say tastefully, but it is done in a way that is amusing to everybody and doesn't feel pandery. Yeah, like it's it's not like they just threw it in there because they knew it was an easy sell. Right. Mm-hmm. Not like lol boobs, lol, because it's easy to do that, which is what those other games are doing and why they're not succeeding, in my opinion. I really hope it's good. Uh, I wouldn't mind actually being put on review for that because I think it's so outside of my typical wheelhouse for the site. I'd kind of like to give it a shot just to see what it's all about. Yeah. Well, we'll probably probably need two reviews. Yeah, I absolutely did not have any interest in it before. And I... And I, I did judge it, actually, because I was like, eh, it just, it just doesn't look fun. It looks, you know, kind of meh and dumb and whatever. But And, and I, I know I'm wavering a lot because I keep going back and forth with my usage of the word dumb. But I wasn't interested. And then I, I it really just took playing it. And I swear, like, I, I approached the booth at E3. I love the people that exceed. And I started chatting them up. And Tom showed it to me. And I was like, 
damn it, this game isn't actually funny and, and interesting. Like, and now I want to buy it on day one. That was the awesome part about E3, were, like, the little surprises. Like, getting yeah. genuinely surprised by a game, walking up to it and being like... Like, that's how I felt about Ori and the Blind Forest, was uh, I had so many people talk about it when I was in the line to see uh, The Order. And everybody said, you need to go over to Microsoft and see Ori. It's now, is a, that, that's is that the, Xbox One only? No, it's Xbox One and PC. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, that's how I felt, too. And I was like, it, it's a Metroidvania that is completely handcrafted there's apparently no reused art at any point in the game every environment has been handcrafted it's actually doing a a really good job with the disney style storytelling and i'll leave it at that and actually i kind of prefer that if they didn't show that one scene in the trailer so if you haven't seen it don't see it um what's that Derek? i just said i agree i know what scene you're talking about and i was like oh okay well now i i have that expectation in my mind right but it, it's so different because you really are focused on controlling the character because the attack that you have, at least in the demo, was an attack that targeted itself. Like it was kind of a one-two punch of a light attack and it just didn't – you weren't focused on using the attack. You were focused on dodging the enemies, which was really cool. So Derek's getting ready to jet out of here. Yes, I am. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thanks for having me today, as always. Hey, we, we will get you back on, my friend. No yep, worries. I'll see you guys. I'm, hey, I'm on every episode. so You are indeed. We can't get rid of you. Yep. Wow. <laughs> okay, catch you guys later. Love you, dude. All right, talk Party to you later. On, Party on, Garth. Uh, just you and me now, Steven. Just us. Just us. So the game I wanted to talk to you about was a little yeah. game... Actually, Death. now that it's just us, we don't have to pretend like we want to talk about anything else. We can just talk about Bloodborne. Okay, so we're going to talk about Bloodborne for, like, what, three hours now? Three this hours. Is the, this is now the Bloodborne podcast bar- brought to you by games that are like Bloodborne. <laughs> brought to you by the Dark Souls of Bloodborne. The Dark Souls of Bloodborne. I love it. Uh, no, the game I want to ask you about, sir, is Destiny. Ah, that's right. I forgot I played that alpha. You did play the alpha for Destiny, and I so, want to know what you thought. I, I Actually, you know what I want to know? I want to know what the hell Destiny is. That's that's a, that's a reasonable question, and we're actually working on a, fe- a new feature that's going to start explaining that about a lot of games. Uh, let me uh, save my way out of Xenoblade here, seeing how is, uh, I need to focus on my explanation. So, Destiny... We weren't sure if we were going to cover it because we weren't sure what the extent of the RPG elements in it were. Because, you know, they were showing it and they were showing it sort of like a Halo type thing. And then they were like, well, it's sort of like a Borderlands type thing. Like, you know, what is the deal with Destiny? And Destiny, I would argue, is probably actually even more of an RPG than Borderlands um, for a lot of reasons. But so in the Alpha, you had access to one planet with uh, it has one storyline mission. It has free roam of that planet, and then it has a strike. So the storyline mission is very much what you'd expect out of like an MMO-style story mission, where you know they drop you into a certain section of the very large uh, planet that you have access to in the Alpha, and you have an objective you have to run through. There's voice acting. It perpetuates the story of the world. There's a boss battle at the end. Um, so it's sort of like a, a campaign mission in the vein of how a campaign mission in like a grand, uh, an open-world game plays out. You know, like... Like, you know, an infamous, you know, you go, you pick up the call, you know, oh, I have, you have to go here and get this thing and fight this guy. So you have that. And then you have the free roam where you can just, you start out in space and then you, you know, you pick from a global map of like, do you want to go to the PvP planet where, you know, you'll do like 
Halo-style multiplayer matches? Or do you want to go to the story mission? And you can actually just fly down to the planet and explore and find missions on the planet. Mm -hmm. So, like, you'll find, like, a data pad on the planet that, like, wants you to go gather, you know, someone from the city wants you to go get information, uh, that sort of thing. And you can explore and, you know, find money or find currency. And uh, the strike is really cool because that's sort of like, it's like the story mission, but without the context of perpetuating the main narrative. It's like a side quest, basically. So it's sort of like, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's even hard to like articulate just off the top of my head. But basically you, you do gain levels. Uh, you have a full set of gear. You know, you level up your. You can change your armor, your helmet, your gloves, your boots. You have three three weapon slots. You have a special weapon, a normal weapon, and a heavy weapon. Um, there are upgrades with. There are skill trees on those weapons themselves that you can branch with. So if you want to say you have a shotgun that you really like, you could add like ice to it, or you know you could add you know uh, more knockback to it. Um, and then you have a lot of other different equipment slots. Like you can change. It, it's not in the alpha, but it looks like you'll be able to customize your 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 spaceship, you know how it looks, where it takes you. Um, so there's a ton of inventory type stuff in there, which is it's even more dense than Borderlands, and there's more to each individual item. Is it just the not to cut you off, but is it just the equipment leveling up, or does your character also level up? So your character also levels up. Okay. Uh, you could get to I think it was level ten in the alpha. I can't remember. I I, I hit the cap. Um, and it progressed pretty quickly. And th the developers have said, oh, we want Destiny to play like Diablo at the high level where you're on a loot hunt. Mm -hmm. And that definitely is the vibe I got because the items have a lot of variable statistics. You know, oh, this, this weapon gives you, you know, faster cooldown on one of your action abilities. Or, you know, this weapon gives you a higher max ammo capacity for your special weapon. Um, and then your character. So if you're familiar in Borderlands with the class mod, which is an item you can equip that makes you a specific subclass of your class that buffs certain skills. So I didn't realize this at first, but I was leveling just one skill tree for the Warlock class, which gave me like an orb I could throw that would blow people up, and it gave me a sort of hover, which was awesome. Like the hover, like it basically, think the tribe's jetpack, only magical. Uh, so you had, I had, my character had this really cool, like, very floaty mobility where I could sort of hover around above people and like throw the orb, throw the fireball, like the, the power orb down. I could, you know, shoot at them from there. Um, but, you know, you're also, it's, it's again an RPG in that you could have the best Twitch skills ever. You could shoot that enemy in the head, but if you're 10 levels below him, you will not kill him. Uh -huh. if, you're, if your weapon is garbage, you will not kill him. So if you hate the fact that, you know, if you want it to be more shooter than RPG, you're probably barking up the wrong tree here. But I also argue a lot for that style um, because it is meant to be an RPG. And I think the shooting mechanics in this game are tighter than they are in Borderlands. And I love Borderlands, but the, the, it's clear that this is a team that has a little more experience in developing shooters. The physics feel very Halo-y where they're sort of floaty, but it works better in the context of this RPG style because, you know, you're wanting to, like, jump on top of a building and sort of float around looking down and picking off enemies and evaluating threats. But so that skill tree thing, from what I understand, there's actually quite a few of them that give your, that, you know, one of them could make you like a plague warlock. One of them could make you a certain kind of like, so you equip different class mods and each one is a completely different skill tree for your class that you can level through. And you can go out and find those things in addition to regular loot. So it strikes me that there's going to be quite a bit of, 
opportunity for customization and advancing your character, uh-huh. both on the leveling spectrum and also on the gear spectrum. It feels it feels very much like what you would get if you combined an MMO with Diablo and Borderlands. Okay. Um, okay. And it's it's incredibly compelling. Like I did I did the two story missions with a friend almost right away, and they were cool. And you know the alpha is fairly brief. And then I just dropped into the world and started exploring, and it is massive. This is one planet in a game that's going to have a ton of planets, and I didn't see the whole of the of the planet area. And it's all this it's it's Earth, and so the area you had access to was sort of like old Russia, and it's this old sort of bombed out sci-fi Russia. And so I was just exploring, and like I started out on a giant field, and I'm running, and then I see a tower, I run into that tower, I go into the basement, I'm in the basement for like an hour, I come out of the basement in some totally different region of the area, and I'm getting small missions as I'm doing this, and finding unique enemies and cool gear, and so it, it had a really great sense of sci-fi, like I'm out exploring this world uh, that has really dense lore, so it was... It was a really cool experience uh, that I enjoyed quite a bit. And the fact that there are going to be so many of those planets is crazy to me. See, what you're speaking about right now, I'm having flashbacks to listening to old podcasts. Not that we did, but like old podcasts on other websites. And you know what game is coming up in my head over and over again? Is a little game called Hellgate London. You know... I actually said to a few people that it sort of reminds me of what Hellgate London might have been if it had been good. Right, and for the listeners... And also, it's it's also important to note that Hellgate London felt like an RPG first and then an action-y shooter. This right. feels very much like a shooter first with solid RPG systems underpinning it. And I know I have these infuriating conversations with people, listener, you might even be one, who demands, who utterly will not budge from the Borderlands is not an RPG debate. And that's fine. You're welcome to be wrong, but th- what what di- what differs Fallout and Destiny and Borderlands from your average shooter? First of all, is that Fallout is nothing is not a shooter at all. It's a first-person RPG like Skyrim. Is that your actions are governed by your statistics first and foremost? No amount of of Twitch skill will help you succeed in a battle. You know, to an extent. You know, if you're going to dodge a lot of bullets and you want to grind an enemy with 10 billion health down, doing five damage, then by all means, go ahead. But yeah, because I was gonna is... I was gonna make the argument that you're with your argument you're pushing out one of our favorite game series because Twitch skill will get you through every boss battle in that game. So yeah, Twitch skill helps. It does, but it is not. It is. It's not like Halo where if you're flying down the air and you have dead perfect aim, you can snipe your friend and take him out and you win. Mm-hmm. This is a very much the case of yeah, you'll 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 crit. But your better gear and leveling up are going to get you a more noticeable game. And that's another cool... That uh, reminds me of one other thing that the game does that's interesting. Um, is that... So when you're in these open areas, what's very cool is that every player who comes into that area is a dropship. So, like, if someone joins that world, you'll see their spaceship fly into the planet and drop them off. Um, mm-hmm. And so you have all these people in this common space, and public missions start and that's not like a unique concept there you know guild wars does that sort of thing but on the scope of these areas it's like you know everyone's running around doing a mission and then all of a sudden like an ancient enemy monster comes up out of the ground and everyone has everyone starts fighting him and it's like this giant high scale boss battle that's really cool that's another thing all the boss battles in it were great like they felt very cinematic and 
like something I'd expect out of a scripted single-player shooter, but with the context of being with a team of people that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm kind of I mean, I've talked before about it. I'm I'm not I don't know why, but Borderlands never clicked with me. I think that it was the the contrast between the shooting and the RPG mechanics because you would like you were saying there there were moments where if you were using a level 13 gun against a level 20 enemy, you weren't going to beat them. Like you physically could not hurt them to a point where you could actually beat them. And 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 now that is something that was in this, I will say. So yeah. Right in, in the in the open world area, right when you first fly in, there's an area you can run off to, and it's this sort of underground subway that's actually very reminiscent of stuff you see in The Last of Us. And you're sort of exploring around in the dark, and it's cool because you have, like, basically the Fantasy Star Online equivalent of a mag voiced by Peter Dinklage. That wizard came from the moon. with terrible voicing, but they're re-recording him. But so he pops up as a little flashlight, and so it's sort of this little orb that's floating around you lighting this dark area so you're exploring this ruin and it's very atmospheric and then you walk into a room and you hear and then a bunch of dudes with big green skulls on their name pop up and they one shot you and i was like oh gosh i better go back and then i shot him and i'm like all right i did nowhere near enough damage that i could ever take this enemy out so and even at level 10 with the best gear i could find in the alpha i think that was sort of a hard limit they had put on that area because i could not get past those enemies yeah. So that that certainly is a thing. It it is de- very much an RPG, but on the other hand, we don't we don't really take away from games like Final Fantasy XII or Xenoblade for doing the same thing, putting a level eighty monster in an area that level ten characters can run around in and could not possibly defeat. So it's that sort of thing. I agree with you on that, but I I think that that's where I had a hard time. Like my brain could not comprehend Borderlands because I've been playing shooters since the original Doom. So when I'm playing a game where now the RPG mechanics are directly in conflict with my shooting ability in a first-person shooter, that was a problem that maybe I just have to get over. Like, maybe that's just the way it's going to be. Like, your statement on Fallout 3 rings very true. Anybody that says that Fallout 3 is a shooter is nuts. Because it's yeah. not a shooter. It's it's like, an RPG. There's a lot of... I, 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 I'm very against the attitude of, well, if it's not turn-based, it's not an RPG. Because that is reductive of so many games that are very much RPGs. And Fallout, I honestly feel, people look at Skyrim, nobody wants questions, is the Elder Scrolls an RPG? Of course, it's fantasy. But they see Fallout, they see a gun, and they go, oh, it's not an RPG, it's got a gun in it. And I'm like, Mr. Norris had a gun in Chrono Cross. It was powered by just as many stats as Fallout. So, you know, there's going to be people who are going to take issue with us covering this. But we covered Borderlands, and this is as much of, if not more, of an RPG than Borderlands. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would argue it has a much more engaging mission structure than Borderlands. Borderlands had great writing, but sort of the go here, get five of these little drops from the enemy. It was an MMO, and then you go and do that. And this has that in some of the open world missions that are kind of optional, but they're sort of a thing to give you a light impetus to go explore this world. Like, the the reason they're cool is, like, you'll walk into a ruin, and then you'll get a mission, and they'll be like, oh, it's from the city, which the city areas functions like you would expect any RPG city hub. You could buy equipment and all that stuff. Um, you'll get a note from like a researcher at the city on one of the factions saying, hey, this is the old Russian ruins thing. I want to know why did this building go down? And so you'll get this mission to go gather intelligence, which is, you know, you usually scan three points. But each one of those, they're like talking to you like, oh, okay, so this is why this factory crashed or, you know, this is what happened to it when it died. So it's, it's sort of the open structure is MMOE in the design of that quest, 
but it's providing you with a lot more context than I think a lot of like like Borderlands. You got a lot of funny writing, but it wasn't a lot of like explaining the area. And then you have the strikes and the story missions that give you very much a scripted, interesting type of mission structure. So you have a little bit of both. Okay, okay. So it sounds like you are up on it. I I think... I, I played the alpha and immediately pre-ordered the game. Wow, I mean, um, that's that's pretty a, good. A to get the beta because the beta is expanded, and B because I I love Borderlands, and this is sort of a more serious, sci- hard sci-fi Borderlands. Um, like I'm very interested in the idea of exploring the world they've set up. It's incredibly. It has a really lonesome feeling, even though you have a lot of people with you. There's a lot of solemnity to the way you're exploring the world because of the music and the atmosphere and just how it makes you you feel when you're exploring. You know, a great thing to compare it to, although a little more terrestrial, is Stalker: Shadow of Chernobyl. I feel very similar exploring these environments that I did to exploring Stalker's environments, which for any flaws Stalker had. It had incredible environments and atmosphere, and this game definitely has that sort of thing. I need on. to play Stalker at some point. You don't need to play Stalker. It's you, you will come <laughs> out and you will hate it. Just don't don't play Stalker. You 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 can't tolerate wonky mechanics, and Stalker is nothing but wonky mechanics with high with high minded goals. You'll just oh, hate it. Oh, don't man. don't bother. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. I mean, I think Stalker's fantastic, but you will hate it. Well. I think I think what it comes down to is like is that it does it d- directly interfere with my immersion factor if that makes sense like you know me I like a big immersive game and that's one of the reasons I love Fallout I actually thought about firing up Fallout 3 again the other day just because I was really in like that like you were saying like, I, I like lonesome sci-fi it's something See, that I really enjoy I think you will appreciate this then because it very much strikes me that there's going to be a main narrative you can work through here if you don't want to do any of the MMO-style side quest ex- expand-the-world type stuff. But I was thinking, I was like, this is a, a world that I'm interested to explore. And that's, I think, their greatest success. Because all the Diablo mechanics are great. They hook me. I know I'll enjoy those. But I'm very much a fan of being able to sit into, be placed into a world and that world to be constructed in such a way that I can stay absorbed in the fiction while I explore the world. That's so like the way the game starts is really cool. Like you hit, you hit start once you've made your character and you log in as your character and then you're just in space. And so you have access to the planet map. And so you can like zoom in on the planet and pull up an air, a region or a mission or some sort of place. And then it, it, once you pick it, it pans out to a view of you flying to the planet and it's, it's the loading screen, but it's very like, it's got the really subtle music and it's your customized spaceship that then flies down to the planet and sends you in. So it feels very immersive. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm most excited about exploring all the different planets because they've even said, I think they've already said that the beta is going to have another one of the planets and that their commitment to expanding this universe has me very excited to explore more of it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know if it's going to grab me uh, the way I want it to, but I'm definitely intrigued by it. Maybe more Diablo, less Borderlands will suit me a little bit. And it's I definitely th- it definitely falls in that pattern. And while I think it, I play, it's plenty of fun to play by yourself. Like it's not like Borderlands where I would argue playing it by yourself, you're doing it wrong. Right. This this game feels like you could functionally complete the story missions without. Uh, another player but you would be ignoring a large part of the game that can be played with other people which you know strike teams so you know you get into a small party with you know me 
Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, that's what I like. I just think that Borderlands, you know, it wasn't the kind of sci-fi that I like. Yeah, it was referential humor, and it was funny, but it just... I wanted it to be a little bit more serious, if that makes sense. And so you saying that Destiny is kind of a more serious version, that has me interested. It's very like I'm serious, outer space, mystical sci-fi. And I think once they re-record Peter Dinklage's voiceover, it will be significantly improved. Because, like, in the story mission, you fight a wizard. It's like this floating techno wizard. And Peter Dinklage, in the most half-asleep voice ever, goes... That wizard came from the moon. Yeah, it, it's hard because I know a lot of people have been talking about his voice performance. It's difficult to say also because he is supposed to be a robot. He's supposed to be uh, he, an artificial intelligence. He is, but this was this went beyond monotone robot. Like if they had added a filter to his voice, like that wizard came from 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 the moon, moon, moon. Like that'd be fine, but. This is this is goes beyond the sterile robot voice to the I was bored and don't really understand my lines. Okay, okay, and that that also gets to seeing uh, X Men Days of Future Past this past weekend, and Peter Dinklage I felt was wasted in that film because he's his character. I kept waiting for him to have a reason for why he was being so evil. And at one point, it seemed like they were finally going to do it. They were finally going to establish his character, and then they didn't. And it seems like Peter Dinklage is so hot in Hollywood right now because of Game of he's Thrones. He's hot right now because of Game of Thrones, so they right. throw him into everything because everyone's like, oh, dude, he's Tyrion! And, he's gonna make, and he still needs a script. If you don't have a script, like I was saying to Jackie the other night, like look back at Tom Hanks' early 80s stuff. It's god-awful. The guy was in Mazes and Monsters. That is a terrible film, and he's terrible in it. But then you watch him later on when he had good scripts. Well, look at it Natalie awesome. Portman in the Star Star Wars prequels versus anything else. Yeah, that's that's another good example. So Destiny, you're high on. You you think that this is going to be? Not, not, but here's my question: Why has it taken Bungie so long to explain what this game is? You know, it's hard, and I'm, I honestly think part of it, and this is me being conspiracy theorist, Activision is dumping a bucket full of money on this, and they don't want to come out and say, this is an RPG. Um, they don't want to... I, I feel like part of it is that they are trying to capture the hardcore shooter crowd, and I feel like that's almost hoodwinking them, because people who like Halo are not necessarily going to be people who like Destiny. Because... Right. Halo is very much a shooter about shootery things. This is very much a slower-paced, sort of methodical-type game. Uh, you know, the, the, the moment-to-moment action, like the 30-second gameplay loop is super fun of hopping around, shooting people, gathering, gathering gear and stuff. But I, I, it's, it's hard to explain it because, you know, it's, it is a shooter, but it's also an RPG but it's also sort of neither of those things wholly. Like, it's it's it, it's a hard game to explain. You know, hmm. because, like, think of all the setup I had to do to explain the structure of it. Like, there's a world, but then there are different kinds of missions you can do on it. But it's not like, you know, it's not like an MMO, but it is kind of like an MMO. You know, it's 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 hard to explain. And I, I don't envy them having to explain this. It's just a very large-scale, seamless shooter that can go from single-player to multiplayer seamlessly. Okay. You know? Okay. It's little Diablo, little Borderlands, little MMO, little 
Skyrim slash Stalker slash Halo. Hmm. Well, I'm definitely excited to give it the old college try. Um, I think I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll if I like it, but I'm kind of willing to give it a shot. And I've already decided I'm going to be getting a PlayStation Four, so this might as well be one of the first titles I get for it, just to try yeah, it out. Yeah, well, we'll definitely be able to play it because you know. I'm getting it. <laughs> well, I guess I'm. I'll I'll have more to report once the beta comes out too, which I think is in like uh, three weeks, so 27th or something. I, I don't remember exactly when it starts, but uh, you know, part of the reason I pre-ordered right away is because I was like, I want to experience more of this. Uh, you know, it fe- It's a game that feels next gen. Like I I don't know if it's if it's coming out of the last gen consoles. I'm guessing it's going to look a lot uglier. Because the scale of it makes me wonder, like the scale and connectedness of it makes me wonder how it could be done on an earlier platform. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just a little bummed that we're not getting a PC version, and I still feel like that's dumb. And, you know, obviously, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe they have a bunch of metrics that tell them we don't need to release this game on PC. But it really bums me out. And one of the things I learned at E3 was I can't play a shooter anymore with a controller. And I'm a little worried about that when it comes to Destiny on a console. And I can hear you clicking like crazy, Steven. That's you. No, that's not me. That's you. I'm not clicking. You were playing Xenoblade. Don't start with me. I'm not playing Xenoblade. Uh, Yeah, I I need a mouse and keyboard, dude. I really... Please, please, Bungie, if you're listening... Put mouse and keyboard controls. I like. I have no problem playing on my PlayStation Four, but give me a mouse and keyboard, please. Like that, just I don't know. They made that one asinine comment last year, just like, oh yeah, you know, people don't play shooters with mouse and keyboard anymore. That well, considering demographics, they're not wrong. Well, but that's that's only because the audience for ga- for gaming and shooters has expanded yeah. explosively. To include an exclusively console audience. I'm very confident that more people play with mouse and keyboard now. It's just there are even more new people playing on controller. Sure, sure. I just, I would prefer to play that game. You know, I've gotten used to mouse and keyboard ever since I started playing Left 4 Dead. And it just feels weird to play a shooter any other way. And, you know, I don't know. But I am excited for Destiny. I'm glad that it, it, it seems like it's finally going to come out. I feel like we've been hearing about this game for almost three years now. And it's coming. We have to see how it is. Maybe there's going to be some backlash on it. Maybe shooter fans are going to really eat it up. And this is going to be the thing that this will be the new Call of Duty for that. Well, I I can tell you right off the bat, it's not going to be the new Call of Duty. Uh, It's very much in the Halo vein where it's, you know, Halo is huge and it it has a built in audience. But Call of Duty has always been bigger than Halo ever since it exploded. I would agree with that. This this is going to be like Titanfall style. It's going to sell pretty well. You know, it's going to have a dedicated audience, and it will. I'm sure it'll turn them a profit. Maybe not with this first game, but they're not planning on that, I think. But it's it, it's not it's it's like MMOs trying to beat WoW. They're not going to beat WoW. This is not going to beat Call of Duty, and it's not trying to because right. it's it's such a different type of experience. Like there is a traditional competitive sh- multiplayer mode where you know you shoot other people or you're playing capture the flag but what's cool about that is you're bringing your customized character into it it's just your level has been, the level bonus has been has been taken away but all your customized abilities and stuff are yours which makes mm-hmm. it a little more engaging cuz you're actually you can level up just by doing that P, that PVP too yeah yeah um but you know it's it's not a 
oh man, I got home from work. I'm gonna go home and get on COD and noob tube some people. Like it's you know that's that's not really pervade this game. Okay. Okay. Well, you will definitely be talking to us more about it when you get to play the beta. Yes. Cool. Cool. All right. I think we should move into news. We're getting a little long here, and it's just you and me spitballing huh? back and forth. You got some news for us? I, I feel like we covered all the e 3 and there hasn't been a whole lot of news lately. Uh, well, let's see if I can break down a couple of interesting things. Uh, one thing that I would definitely talk about is they just announced, like, two or three days ago, I don't think you've played any of these games, but they're fantastic, uh, uh, Dreamfall Chapters, which is the, the, the second follow-up to The Longest Journey, which people are very, very excited about. Uh, it was There was The Longest Journey, there was The Longest Journey 2, which is Dreamfall, and then the new one is Dreamfall Chapters, and they just announced that, exactly as you might expect from a game called Dreamfall Chapters, it will be coming out in five episodes. Um, cool. It got announced a while ago. Uh, I, I I can't remember exactly how it went, but I know the Kickstarter was successful. The game sort of, it was, we're going to make a small episodic follow-up, and then, like, a lot of projects, it got bigger and bigger, and they got enough funding, so, you know, now it's coming out as, like, a five-episode type thing. And that's a... Uh, that's uh, one of the... One of the <laughs> You're all right, big guy. Oh, yeah. I'm fine. Just don't tell my boss here. I'm supposed to be cleaning the urinals at the movie theater. Was that in relation to Xenoblade, or did your voice just crack? No, my voice just cracked. I'm actually not playing Xenoblade. Uh, well, I'm looking at your Steam thing. It says you're playing Xenoblade. Oh, it's... No, I'm not playing Xenoblade. So what's it doing? I, I you, It's a different thing, but... So... The, the Longest Journey is available on Steam now, and so is Dreamfall, and those are two of the best adventure games I've ever played. Uh, you know, The Longest Journey is a little bit older, so it has some of that sort of what-the-hell-do-I-do-click-on-everything type thing going on, but the storyline is so good, and it has one of the, just the best protagonists. She's such an interesting character, and like she's so realistic that that's arguably the best part of the game because she starts out in this like futuristic sci-fi world. She's an art student. And then you sort of get pulled into this like medieval other world and you're bouncing back and forth and you have this sort of plot that spans both worlds. But the actress who plays her and her writing, just her character is so believable in the like, how would you react if you were a 20 something college student that's doing this? And I remember just playing it and just being blown away by how true to life the writing was for such fantastical environments so if if you have any interest in dreamfall chapters i recommend you go back and play the other two games especially the longest journey i wasn't as high on dreamfall but dreamfall chapters i will definitely be checking out cool let's see, cool. Let's see what, what else do we have here uh hyper dimension neptunia rebirth one is slated for a western release uh coming out for european and north american audience hooray europe getting a video game uh, August 26th and 27th, so if you like that series that Derek and I were railing earlier, uh, that's coming out. I know that audience, that game has, has an audience, and the fact that they've sort of been pumping out a lot of games in that series must, you know, must be indicative that people are enjoying it. So, you know, we may not enjoy it, but it's coming out, and I'm sure Europe is happy to be getting an actual video game, because they don't, uh, they don't get treated very well. Nope. No, they do not. And then, oh yeah, also Fairy Fencer F is coming out in September. That's another JRPG that I honestly didn't expect to be getting here, especially since they designed it and said we're designing this for a Japanese-only audience. What else we got here? I'm sort of just scrolling down our front page to see anything interesting. 
Well, R No Surge, yet another RPG, JRPG coming, also coming to Europe and the US. Uh, Europe is getting in the 26th of September. No release date for us, but I'm guessing it'll be somewhere around there. Man, a lot of JRPGs got announced. That's uh, that's good news for everybody. Um, well, Type Zero's announcement is the one that got you all hot and bothered at E3. That's because Type Zero is a fantastic game, and now it's going to be HD and hooray excitement. Uh, and I expect you to buy it. If you don't, I'm going to throw a beer bottle at you. I will buy it. I just wish I could buy it on my Vita. Yeah, but like, let's let's be realistic though. From a business standpoint, this was the right decision to make. Like, they, there are people talking about Square Enix betrayed us, and I'm like, uh, no, you wouldn't have been able to play it at all. If Square no, Enix it's it's it. not a betrayal issue. It's just the like, it's a PS4 and Xbox One already have bigger audiences than the Vita, and they need this game to make money. Yeah, and the Vita has basically become the PlayStation 4 peripheral, which might actually be a good thing in the long run, but it's it's weird. I, I would agree. And, you know, another thing, too, is... I hope I'm getting this right. It is coming to the PS4 and Xbox One, right? It's not 360 and PS3. No, I believe it's PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, but we should probably look that up just to make sure. Pretty sure that's the case. And in that regard, if you really want to play it on your handheld, you can, because that's what PS4 allows you to do. Can't do it on the bone, but, you know... Such as the sacrifice you make if you buy a bone. You know. I would agree with you. I'm looking it up right now, and it is coming out for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Yeah, so, you know, it, this was the best way to serve an audience, because the most people will be able to play this game with the home consoles. I like the idea that it's on PS4, because that means this is not going to be just a simple up-texturing. Right. Like, it, it strikes me that this is going to be a rebuild of the game. And I think it's great because this is the type of game that it, it really transcended the Vita's hardware. I think the art design and the world design were so good. That, Playing was, on, it on Vita, that was on PSP, dude. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, like on PSP, this game literally, like, Crisis Core looked awesome. Uh, Type Zero was constantly blowing me away with, like, you'll go into, like, the school and there's, like, all this clockwork machinery operating in the background and really strong art design. And... The fact that that was on PSP and they got that much performance out of it, just this is a game that deserves to have a full-blown big screen experience. Just the, the, the breadth of the plot and the, the fun of the game really, like, it will be good to have this as a console Final Fantasy. I think it will go a lot towards restoring people's faith in the single-player half of that franchise. I would agree with you. I would agree with you, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. What else you got for me on the news business? Gosh, it's it's hard to find news because we're posting so much uh, E3 stuff. Let's see. Falcom announces a Legend of Heroes online game. I got to represent that for Derek and our fans. Uh, so it's it's in the Legends of Legend of Heroes, and it's uh, Akatsuki no Kiseki. Uh, and I unfortunately I'm not going to read you a bunch of stuff from the news story because that seems a little bit asinine of me. But I don't recognize the characters. But you know, if you love Trails in the Sky, if you love Legend of Heroes, uh, there's going to be an online game in that series. So. That seems like good news to me, unless you hate online games, in which case, well, I feel bad if you live in nowadays. Uh, the world, I know I'm harsh, but I mean, you know, it's, you know, I, I like single player games. Are you going to bring up guy. the world ends with you? The world ends with you is now on Android. It is Zeta awesome. <laughs> like so that. you can see, an- you guys think Waka Melee is overrated? Well, I got a big old one for the world ends with you as being overrated. I think you you confuse overrated with a lot of people really like it and a lot of people really hate it. The World Ends With You is a very Chrono Cross type game in that 
There is a very vocal group of people that hate that game, and then a very vocal group of people who adore that game. But the difference is that the Chrono Cross haters are wrong. Stop saying things that you want me to agree with, because I I agree with that statement. I know you do. <laughs> I, but, uh, you know, I don't particularly love The World Ends With You, but it's, it's pretty inarguable that it's a unique game that a lot of people love that has very interesting gameplay, and the storyline is awesome in that game. So... The fact that now you can grab it for 18 bucks on Android, uh, apparently it's got some glitches as of the 26th. Pretty standard for par for the course, especially with a fragmented operating system like that. But, you know, I'm sure it will get worked on. Square's been pretty good about supporting their games these days, with the exception of Dragon Guard 3, which came out broken and I guess is probably still broken. <laughs> so uh, Not a real surprise there, though. Per- partic- yeah, well, you know. Particularly interesting is, um, so as we were talking about earlier, Final Fantasy Explorers, and you'll have to forgive me, I'm not reading directly from a news story from this one. Uh, we've been getting a pretty steady dump of information on that game, screenshots. It takes place on this island where the Final Fantasy summons have sort of, are sort of like running it. It's very Final Fantasy XIV that they are the primal existences of the world. So you're going to be go out, going out hunting the the different summons from the world, and you're going to have access to a fairly large number of jobs, and they've basically confirmed that it's going to be the Final Fantasy V slash Tactics style, where you can mix and match abilities from each job, and after a certain point in the game, you won't even have to be the class that that job ability is gained from in order to level up that ability, because they were saying that they don't like where, oh, you're a, I'm a white mage, but I want to get black mage, so the only way is to become a very weak black mage and do that. So you're eventually going to be able to be a white mage, assign yourself black magic, and level up your black magic while you're a white mage. So you're going to have this incredible. It looks, it sounds like it's going to be this incredibly flexible skill system within the context of like a Diablo-style action RPG. Um, like I was, I was sold in that game the moment they announced it. But the more they say these type of things, I think that type of class system sounds really fantastic in the context of a cooperative action RPG. So I'm I'm very excited to see more from that. But they've been just dumping all kinds of info that you can find on our front page. And now you were you were pretty animate that you felt that this was more Diablo than Monster Hunter. Can you go into more depth on that one? Like what may because that's been the go-to argument for everybody talking about Final Fantasy Explorers is that it's Monster Hunter. Uh, well, so the Monster Hunter type games, based on my experience. Um, are not about leveling up or customizing your class. They're more about, you know, grinding monsters to sort of get an upgrade to your sword. They're not they're not uh, loot fests in the sense that Diablo is. Mm-hmm. Whereas from what I've seen, what what they've explained from this, and again, I don't have the story, so I don't want to quote you something authoritative, on, you know, right up right now. But all the things I've read make it sound more in the vein. They've talked about how it's more a Final Fantasy XIV style experience than a Monster Hunter type experience. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot there. I was just, you know, when that game got announced and we were hearing about it the first time, I pretty much ignored it as a Monster Hunter game. But there is a big difference, I think, for us when it comes between uh, Diablo and Monster Hunter. So a Diablo game, I'm, I'm all about. Yeah, you know, uh, it's, it, it's sort of... I, I don't know if the summons are the only thing you fight. I don't think they are which is what makes me think more along the lines of a Diablo-style game. Uh, but, you know, it, it could very well be Monster Hunter-like. We'll have to wait and see. But I think that skill and gear system will set set, set it apart for me. Um, 
Also, uh, if, it, if it is just the summons, it gives me a little bit of a Shadow of the Colossus vibe. You know, you're going out fighting these giant monsters that are all in this one closed environment, and you have to find them and hunt them down. And now I'm thinking about The Last Guardian. Thank you for that. You can just think about Shadow of the Colossus. That game is awesome. That game is awesome, and I need to replay it at some point because the music is just absolutely outstanding. All right, Steven, I'm getting a little tired. Are you getting a little tired? I'm getting a little tired. I gotta go pack to go to my best friend's wedding. Our editor, Brian Tomlinson, getting married next, next Friday. Bachelor party this Friday. Woo! Joining the club! You guys, cool. can, you guys can have that club. I'll be all right. It's a weird club to be in, but it, it, it's nice. I, I am a fan. I that is the that is the explanation I hear from a great many fellows and ladies. Yeah, so. it's different. It's different, uh, but I I really do enjoy it. So uh, I have, have I have my professor's cat with me for a month, and that is all the commitment I need right now. That's fine. How did you earn a professor's cat? She asked me to take care of her cat for the month, so I am. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to Random Encounter. Be sure to give us positive reviews on iTunes. Uh, make sure to talk to us on the boards. We love to hear from you guys. You can ask us questions, and we try to answer them on the show. I'd like to do another uh, another set of that. If you guys have questions about things we saw at E3, we can definitely still talk. Uh, but for Steven and Derek, who's not here anymore, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all later. <laughs>